So we're talking about simplifying our lives. Last weekend, instead of me giving you five, uh, a five-step plan to simplify your life, what I challenged you to do instead was to prepare for interruptions, divine interruptions. That, that God was going to knock on the door of your life uh, this past week and this coming week and this coming year. And He was going to knock at the door at unopportune times, but He was going to do it because that's when we needed to kind of call a time out, catch our breath, and spend time with God and get a different perspective. We talked about that, that last weekend. So one of the other things that uh, we tend to think about when we say simplify is we tend to try to free our schedule. We try to say no to things, and there's a lot of good things that we can do, but we know that we can't do every good thing. We need to do the best things. So sometimes we have to say no to the good things. And certainly that is a way to do it, to let go of things, simplify our lives that way. But as I was thinking about simplifying my life, I was realizing that there are some things that I carry with me that weigh me down, that cause me to run uh, dry <laughs> spiritually and, and struggle emotionally. And uh, think of it this way. Um, there are th- some things that we carry with us that make life harder, that make like, m- life more difficult. And uh, one of the things that I think we need to do is we need to examine what we're, the burdens we're carrying. What, what are we carrying? If we can picture that there's things that we're carrying in the backpack in our lives that we've been carrying around that we really... Because if you're going to go on a hike, you really want to kind of lighten the load. You know, you only want to carry in what you need to because every pound of weight that you carry is going to drap, sap your energy, right? And so I was thinking about what is it in our lives that we need to jettison? So I was thinking about there are things in our lives that that just drain our emotional energy. So think about this. Somebody uh, gave me this illustration a while ago. It may be helpful for you. I shared it with the staff, and they kind of looked at me like, what? So maybe it'll be helpful. I don't know. They didn't really do that, but it seemed like a couple of them were like that. Uh, Think of your life as you begin in the morning as when you think of your emotional energy, right? And so when you begin each day, hopefully you had a good night of rest, and you wake up, and your emotional bathtub is full, right? And so as you go through the day, the drain leaks a little bit. You ever have a bathtub where you get into it and it maybe you don't take baths, okay? Just picture it with me, all right? Humor me, all right? Um, so the water's running out little by little by little. And the goal is that when you get to the end of the day, you still have a little, little bit of water in the bathtub, Right? You have a little bit of emotional energy by the end of the day before you lay your head down and you re, hopefully rejuvenate. You, re, you know, you come up with a full tank, you know, a full tub the next day. But here's the problem with that. At 10 o'clock at work, you run into a situation and all of a sudden your drain gets pulled out and the water is going out really quick. And by noon, your tub is like half full and it's like it's going down and you're, you're, you're going to crash. And what I'm suggesting is that there are some things that we carry around that when we begin the day with a full tub, we're not just leaking a little bit. There's stuff that's going down that shouldn't be going down. I mean, we're losing emotional energy and we haven't really interacted with anybody. And here's one of the things that I think drains our emotional tub. 
unforgiveness. You think about somebody who's hurt you or harmed you or done some terrible thing to you, and all of a sudden you become, become a spiral in that little drip, that little drain, and now it's pulling up and you're losing energy. And some of you don't even get to the 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the day, and your tub is gone. And you really haven't had a lot of interaction with people or difficult situations. But you've got this unforgiveness going on. You've got this bitterness. You've got this anger. You've got this stuff going on that you find your, your tub never fills up. Now, if I'm describing you, you're, I'm describing many of us, I think. I want to look at a passage because I want to talk about what is, what is forgiveness. I think we need to think about what forgiveness is. So what I'd love you to do is turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. So my premise here this weekend is this, that one of the things that we need to do to simplify our lives is we need to deal with forgiveness in our lives. Because as we deal with forgiveness, then, then we don't leak, our tub doesn't leak as quickly, and we're, we deal with life a lot better, and life goes smoother, and it seems like our decisions are easier, and we have more emotional energy. And we all need that, I think. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to read verses 15 through 17, then I'm going to jump down to verse 23. Here's what it says. Verse 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you. Don't get a posse. Don't tell your friend. Don't ask somebody, what should I do? No, it doesn't say all that, but that's implied. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they do, they will not listen. Take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen, even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Then jump down. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. Sounds like something we've heard recently. Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went out and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw that what had happened, they, they were outraged. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt, all the debt, that debt of yours, because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how your heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So let's talk about forgiveness. What, is, what does this passage say about forgiveness? Well, the first thing it says is forgiveness begins with understanding your debt. 
We often think forgiveness begins with the other person, the person who harmed me, the person who said that, the person that did this. That forgiveness needs to begin with them. It's their, their fault. It's their problem. And that's accepted, and I mean, it, it's expected, and it's normal. But if you are truly to forgive an offending party, if forgiveness, really, uh, we first need to reflect on our forgiveness. And that's what the parable is talking about. It's talking about a man who was forgiven an incredible debt, and yet, at, right shortly after he's, in, he's forgiven this incredible debt, he goes out and he begins to wring the neck of somebody who owes him a little debt. So forgiveness is about a debt. When somebody hurts you, you, ruins your reputation, physically harms you, verbally assaults you, or takes something from you, there's damage, there's loss, there's a debt. Now someone has to pay that debt. Either the offender pays it or you pay it. Somebody's got to pay the debt. In the case of the parable, the king took the debt to himself. He paid the debt himself. Now, for example, if... For instance, I go out to the foyer afterwards and a fight breaks out and uh, two, uh, two of you uh, walk out and become angry and uh, somebody, one of you bops the other guy in the nose and, uh, I, and we, we clear things up and, and I walk over and I say to the person who was hit uh, or even to the person who threw the punch, don't worry, you're forgiven. I think the guy with the, the broken nose might have a say in that. He might not feel like, hey, wait a minute. You didn't get punched in the nose. I was the one who got punched in the nose. You can't forget the debt. And so I'm a third party and I can't forgive the debt. Somebody, though, has to pay. Either the person who gets bopped in the nose has to say, okay, I forgive you. Or the person who, who uh, throws the punch has to take responsibility um, for that. The point of the story, though, of the king is that he had pity on the man and decided to eat the loss, which was incredible for the man. Now, some scholars have said, what you have to understand about this as you read through this, this story, you, you get the impression that uh, this man owed a little bit of money and uh, so then he was forgiven. And Well, that's good. But no, when you think about it and you, as you think about what they're saying, Essentially what the story is saying is this man owed a debt that if he spent his whole lifetime, he would never even begin to come to a place where he'd even become close to paying the debt off. There was no way he could pay this debt off. It was a, it was a debt, he was in debt so deep that he could never pay it off. That's the point. It was beyond his ability to pay it off. And so the king had pity on him. He was gracious to him. He forgave a debt that he could... I mean, just imagine it. Let's just say that you're in debt uh, $100 million tonight, this weekend. $100 million, you're in debt. And you say, well, well how am I ever going to pay that? Well, the answer is you're not. But let's say the person that you owe the debt to says, you know what, I, I'm going to take pity on you. I'm going to just consider whatever you owe me, that $100 million, it's free and clear. You're done. And then you go out and remember somebody owes you a buck. Because <laughs> this is kind of what it's saying. And you go grab them around the neck and say, you got to pay me my buck. I mean, that's essentially the, the picture that this story is making. The uh, amount was very large that he owed. But the man who was forgiven by the king failed to understand the implications of his great fortune. Instead, 
He found the first person that owed him money and he began to wring his neck. He grabbed him around the neck and he showed no mercy. Now here's the point. The king showed him mercy and he was grateful for that. But not grateful enough to understand that he had been forgiven a great debt that he could never pay. And so he quickly forgot that. And the point of the parable is very interesting. The king asked him, wait a minute, didn't you get what just happened to you? You were forgiven. Now, obviously, we have to begin forgiveness by understanding how great a debt we were forgiven. And we never begin there. We always begin with that this other person, what they did. We rehearse it around in our minds. We say it wasn't justified. We, you know, all these things. We may we get a posse together to get on our side. And we may talk them down. We may gossip about them, whatever it is. But essentially, we never look up and we never see the debt that we were forgiven. And the point of the, the Jesus is making is, if you are going to be a forgiver, you have to understand how much you've been forgiven. What that man should have done is he should have gone out and said, hey, that guy owes me a buck. Hey, you know what? Whatever you owe me, I just, I just, I just scored a big debt forgiveness. You forget it. You don't owe me anything. Instead, what does he do? He calls in his debt. Now, when we uh, seek revenge, retribution against those who have injured us, we're forgetting that we have offended a holy God. And we owe a debt that we can't pay. And I think that's the problem today. I don't think we've ever come to grips with how deep and how massive our sin it separates us from a holy God. Isaiah saw it in Isaiah in 6 where Isaiah sees the sin and he says, woe is me for I am undone because I'm a man of unclean lips. What Isaiah is basically saying is, I thought it was okay when I compared myself to other people. I was okay. But when I compare myself to a holy God, oh, whoa, do I fall short. It's unbelievable. We have to come to that place because we had a debt that we couldn't pay, but God sent his son, Jesus, to suffer and pay our debt in full. He took the hit. He paid the debt for us. <clears throat> now, some of you might understand that, what I just said, but you're not feeling it, especially when the, the offense is fresh. And that's completely understandable. We're human. But here's what I found. Forgiveness is always granted before it's felt. See, what we want to do is we want to say, when this person makes me feel better about forgiving them, I'll forgive them. In other words, when they repent, when they do something, when they say, I'm so sorry, I should have never done that. I don't know what I was thinking. I say dumb things or I do dumb things. Can you ever forgive me? Is there something I can do to make it up? Okay, now at that point, I'm beginning to feel like I should forgive you. But here's the thing. How many times has that happened in your life? Oftentimes, the person who offends you doesn't care, doesn't even know it. Forgiveness is always granted before it's felt. You'll never get out of feelings of anger, frustration, and revenge until you forgive. And I think that a number of people today, Christians today, are walking around and the drain of their emotional bathtub is draining faster than it should because they have failed to forgive because they're waiting for a feeling that's going to come and it's not going to come. Forgiveness is not so much about 
setting the offender free. It's about setting yourself free. When you release them from their debt, you release yourself from bondage. I think a lot of people are carrying around a weight of anger and pain and frustration. And you may be telling yourself, well, if the offender gets what deserves them, I'll feel better about it. They're getting away with it. They don't even understand the damage they've done. If, if they could just feel, if I could just see them getting punished a little bit, I'll feel better about it. And my guess is, no, you won't. By the way, just on a side note, if you do try to get revenge, you're crossing, as a follower of Jesus Christ, a very sacred line. Uh, look at what it says, what Paul says in Romans. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Healing comes when you look at your own massive debt first. See, when you reflect on how God, through Jesus, set you free from your debt of sin, uh, which was far more than you could ever repay, that your debt against God was a massive death, but now it's forgiven, paid in full. By the way, that passage I just set, set in, read in Romans, it's, it says this. It says, as far as it's possible with you, live at peace with all people. So that means, by default, that there are some people that it's very difficult to live at peace with. Some of you have people in your life that it's hard to live with. They may be family members or friends or co-workers. And, and, and you can, you know, sometimes you can have relationships or friendships that are close, right? And sometimes you need to have relationships that are like this, right? <laughs> you keep them at an arm's length because if you pull them too close, you're going to get burned, right? The tubs, the, the, the drain in the tub's going to get yanked up a little bit. And it's okay to do that because... Uh, the, 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 what all that scripture says is don't put the wall up and be the first to forgive and forgiveness is really more about you than someone else forgiveness though begins not with the offender you need to decide to eat the debt to forgive the person even when they don't deserve it and by the way neither did we when Jesus came to die on the cross it wasn't because we had forget for, we, we had repented because forgiveness is about understanding how big a debt we, we have been forgiven. Only as you realize your debt can you forgive and move on in your life. And I think one of the reasons it becomes people become ang carry anger and bitterness and, and, and they live in a state of unforgiveness and they remember years and years and years and years ago is because they have never looked to heaven. They have never looked to Calvary. They have never looked to the cross. They have never contemplated their offense to a holy God. But when we begin to do that, when God begins to break us down and see the debt that we were forgiven, we walk out because the king has just forgiven us. And we realize that our life is gravy and that people who offend us is a minor nick. It's a minor thing. Secondly, forgiveness is an act of your will. Again, we often wait for the right time to forgive a person. We think, well, one day we'll feel like forgiving. And like I said, Feelings uh, don't necessarily precede forgiveness. Usually forgiveness comes first. But forgiveness is not, not about waiting for a person to repent 
of their hurtful de uh, deeds. Forgiveness begins with you. It's an act of your will. And we generally want to set limitations on forgiveness. We, we generally say, um, well, I'll forgive when, I'll forgive if, or I'll, I'll, forgive, I, I'll forgive because. But as I read Scripture, uh, what I see is forgiveness is a mandatory for every, for every believer. It, there's no exceptions, there's no excuse, excuses, even if the person never repents. It, let me say that one more time, just so you hear that. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have the option to choose whether you are going to forgive or not. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you are required to do it. Have you, have you listened to the Lord's Prayer that you prayed hundreds of times? Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, or our trespasses as we forgive them. Have we, so, so what we're saying in that prayer is, Lord, forgive others as I'm forgiving them. Or forgive me as I'm forgiving others. I don't want that. <laughs> I want God to forgive me, period. I don't want him to do it based on how I'm forgiving people around me, right? So the, that, that prayer on its own. Notice what he says. Uh, look at, look at uh, you don't have to turn there, but just write it down. Luke chapter 17, verse 3. He says this. So watch yourselves. This is Jesus. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Uh, even if they sin against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back saying, I repent. You must, let me read that again, you must forgive them. You must forgive them. Now I want to say this. I know that there's probably people listening, there's probably people here, that you've been deeply hurt by somebody. Uh, you've been abused. Somebody has committed a violent crime against you. You still need to forgive them. But you need to understand what forgiveness means. And I've, as I talk with people and I've counseled people over the years, I find there's a lot of confusion about what is forgiveness and what isn't forgiveness. First, let me say what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting that something very painful happened to you. People think, especially Christians, they think, if I forgive a person, I should no longer have those feelings of anger, frustration, and that those should immediately go away. They will go away, but just having those feelings is not a sin. And, and by the way, when you forgive a person, it doesn't mean they will immediately uh, go away. Secondly, immediately forgiveness doesn't mean immediately moving past feelings of anger and loss and revenge. Number three, forgiveness isn't condoning unkindness or excusing bad behavior. It's, you know, when somebody comes to you and they've done something and it's been hurtful or harmful to you, the one of the things that we often say is, oh, don't worry about it, that's okay. No, it's not okay. And it's okay to say to that person, it wasn't okay, but I forgive you. <laughs> it, it's, you know, we, we sometimes do that because we don't know what to say or we want to kind of glaze over the thing. And, and essentially, it doesn't mean that we excuse bad behavior or unkindness. Unforgiveness isn't minimizing or denying the loss the pain, or the hurt. It's not saying, hey, you just need to get over it. And that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying here is you won't get over it until you forgive. That's what I'm saying. Forgiveness isn't requiring reconciliation with the offender. This is really important. Especially if you've been uh, physically harmed or abused by somebody. 
There may never be a time this side of heaven where you'll be reconciled with that person. You can forgive them because forgiveness takes one person. Reconciliation takes two. And there are some times where uh, maybe you were abused uh, as a child by your parents or by whoever raised you, and you can forgive them, but you may never be reconciled to them. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation is going to absolutely take place. It might, but it may not. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is, again, like I said, more for you than the offender. It helps you to move on and take your life back. It's a trainable skill that you can learn. Forgiveness, we often think forgiveness is some gift that God gives. No, it's a trainable skill. You have to choose. You have to use your will. You have to say, I am going to forgive this person. I am going to obey God's word. I am going to ask for his help to forgive this person. And it may take time to do that, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to become, you can make a resolution to say, I'm going to be better at forgiving people this year. I'm going to grow in that skill. I can learn that. It's a choice you need to make. It's something that you don't need to wait to do. You don't have to wait to forgive somebody. You can do it sooner rather than later. It's necessary if you want to be forgiven. And I already kind of touched on that, but I want to read you another passage. You might want to write this down. Mark chapter 11, verse 25. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So your heavenly Father, or your Father in heaven, may forgive your sins. So what, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying when you worship, and you, you're holding something against somebody, forgive them. And, and it almost seems like there's a, there's, a, there's a point there where the king is saying, you know, in the parable, the, the, the king is saying, hey, I forgave you, why can't you forgive? And we hear uh, here again, uh, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And we're going to talk more about that in a minute. Number three, the third thing I want you to see is forgiveness demonstrates that you are a child of God. Now, in this story, we read about the king forgives his servant a great debt. The servant then goes out. And as I said before, he finds the first person that owes him money, begins to wring his neck, and uh, he, is, uh, forget, he is not a forgiving person, but he's a vindictive one. He is not gracious like the king who has just forgiven him. But notice the end of the story. You might have missed that. The end of the story is pretty dire. Because notice at the end of the story that we're told the king orders to have him turned over to the jailers to be tortured until he can pay his debt back. Now, I already told you, he can't. he's never going to pay his debt back. He's, he'll wake up every day and be tortured. And then, it, it, very interesting. This is really dramatic. We need to take note here because Jesus is saying something we must hear. Jesus is saying this. He's saying an unforgiving heart leads to eternal punishment. Let me say that one more time. An unforgiving heart leads to eternal punishment. Now, what do I mean by that? The last line. And that story about the king says this. This is how my heavenly father will, will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from the heart. What is Jesus saying? We have to hear this because we tend to think, and I, I see this within Christian circles, 
that forgiveness is optional. And what I'm suggesting to you, no, what I'm telling you is, Scripture will have none of that. Jesus is teaching us that when we fail to open our heart in mercy to forgive those who have wronged us, we are showing that we have really never opened our heart to His grace and mercy. In other words, unforgiveness shows our lack of faith. Unforgiveness shows your lack of faith. And it's not just a lack of faith. Jesus is saying something deeper than that. Jesus is saying this. If you don't forgive your brother, your sister, your neighbor, then that is a sign that you have never opened your heart to my grace. If you don't forgive, you are just proving that you don't belong to me. That's hard. That's really hard. Now, think about this. Essentially what Jesus is saying, if we have two, let's say it's the fall, we go to an orchard, we see these two trees next to each other. They're both apple trees. They're of the same brand of apples. And one is just full of apples. It has apples all over. The other tree has leaves on it, but no apples, not one apple on the whole tree. What would you deduce from that, from those two trees? One of those trees is healthy and the other one is something's wrong with that tree. Now, here's the thing. The fruit or the lack of fruit tells us that one tree is healthy, it's alive, and the other is dead and dying. The fruit doesn't give life to the tree. The fruit merely shows that the tree is either alive or dead, right? What Jesus is saying here is if you do not have forgiveness, if you will not forgive, not only do you not understand what you've been forgiven, but you're dead. You're dead inside. You have never understood my forgiveness. You have never received my forgiveness. You don't get it. You're dead. And that's why you don't have the fruit of forgiveness in your life. Forgiveness shows that we belong to the king. And our king, our father in heaven, is a forgiving God. He's a forgiving father. And when he forgives us and we understand what he's forgiven us and it begins to penetrate our heart, it changes us. There's fruit. There's apples that come out. Apples of forgiveness that we share with others who offend us. And if our tree is sitting there and it's dead, it has leaves, it looks like a tree, but it doesn't have the fruit, then we've got a question. Do we even know His forgiveness? That's the point that Jesus is making. Jesus is saying that one of the greatest signs that you belong to Him is you forgive others when they wrong you and they will so how you doing on the other hand this is where the story ends on the other hand if you refuse to forgive you're showing that you're on your way to eternal punishment this is pretty important we began to say, hey, one of the ways to simplify your life is to, to uh, 
stop allowing the drain to go down so quickly. And and one of the ways to do that is forgiveness. So it's a good thing for you to forgive. It's a good thing to to have emotional energy. And you can't have that if you're carrying around thoughts of people who have hurt you and harmed you and and are are saying things about you. And, And you have to release them and forgive them because it's good for you. And Jesus goes even further. He says, if you can't forgive, you're just showing that you don't know me. Because I'm a God who forgives. And if you belong to me, if you're one of my kids, if you're my son or my daughter, you forgive. That's what we do. And if you don't do that, you don't belong to me. So this goes a lot deeper than just, hey, this is a good thing to do to simplify your life. This is talking about where you're going to spend eternity. So where are you going to spend eternity? Do you know Jesus? Is Jesus just somebody you say, hey, I don't want to go to hell? Or is Jesus somebody that you say, I can't imagine that God would forgive me such a great debt. And every time I think of the cross, every time I think of Jesus hanging on the cross for my sin, it breaks me down. It busts me up. It caves me in. I come to a place where I say, I don't deserve that. Why would he do that for me? But he did. And so when I look at others who offend me, I say, oh, that's chump change. It's nothing. I can get over that. I can release them. Whether they they come and repent or not doesn't matter. Because I've been forgiven by the King of kings and Lord of lords. And this king is a forgiving king who sent his son for me. And when I begin to grasp that, I realize that when I understand his forgiveness in my life, Forgiving others is not that hard. No matter what they do, no matter what they say. That's what Jesus wants us to do to simplify our lives. To understand his forgiveness. Pray with me. Father, help us because without your help, we can't take this to our hearts. Without this, we can't do the soul work that needs to be done. It may be, Father, there's somebody here today and they may be looking at their life for the first time and realizing, I can't forgive and I've never been good at it and I don't understand it. And this whole thing of, of understanding the debt that I had with God, I didn't really understand it. I don't even understand what that means. But I surely know this, that I want to begin to understand how much I've been forgiven. And maybe I've never called upon Jesus. Maybe I've never asked Jesus to come into my life and to forgive me. And I realize today, maybe for the first time, I need forgiveness. And Jesus, would you come into my life and forgive me? I don't deserve it. I could never pay you back. The debt's too great. But come into my life and give me life. Forgive me. And Father, for the rest of us, help us to just refresh our minds on the debt that we were forgiven. Help it to bring us to a place where we're able to forgive those around us so that as we walk out from the king's palace after having been forgiven, We're lighter. There's a spring in our step. We see the people who have offended us and we immediately say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. Not only does that free us up, not only does that set us free, not only does that give us our life back, not only does that slow the flow of our bathtub, but Father, thank you that it shows that we are your sons 
your daughters. Because by our fruit will we be known. Thank you, Jesus. As we celebrate communion this weekend, may we reflect deeply on the importance of receiving and giving forgiveness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.